Welcome everyone. We are continuing our study of Simha. We are today in class number 53. Specifically, we've been discussing the subject of boundaries. We've discussed how boundaries are the key to be able to maximize our pleasure in the physical world. And as we mentioned, there are different types of boundaries. We've been specifically discussing the last few weeks the boundary of silence. And like we mentioned when we first started that it's not so simple just to say be silent. There's all types of silence. And if we don't study each one specifically we will never understand what is meant by the word silence. Today I'd like to discuss with you another type of silence, shetika. Until now, we've spoken about silence that had to do with self-control. Whether it was controlling our desire to speak about others or our desire to speak harshly when things are a little bit rough. All types of self-control of Gevura. Today we're going to speak about a silence that really comes or should come from a better source than that. Not the word better, a different source. We're going to go to a famous story in Tanakh. The story of the children of Aharon Kohen. A story that took place by the inauguration of the Mishkan. This was one of the great days in the history of the Jewish people. It was actually the moment they were waiting for when they heard about the redemption that Hashem would take them as a nation and actually have a place where the Shekhinah would rest in their midst. And on this day of inauguration, of course, the Kohanim are the leaders of the Mishkan. And the Pasuk says that Aharon, his two children, Nadav and Avihu, they took a pen and they put in the pen fire and they put ketoret in that pen to bring as a sacrifice. But the Pasuk says this sacrifice was not commanded by Hashem. We're not going today to go into the exact story what exactly they did and why Hashem didn't appreciate it. But the bottom line is that on that day, the Pasuk says, A fire came and consumed them. And they died on that day. So Moshe turns to his brother Aharon and he tells him, Who Asher Diber Adonai Lemor? He told him what happened, the way that she explains, is that what happened today, I kind of I kind of knew, Hashem told me that something like this was going to happen. Again, I'm not going into why that happened. But he told him 
I had the information. I wasn't sure, he told him. I knew something like this would happen. I thought it was going to happen to either me or you. But now I realize that your children are very special and very great and it happened to them. Who Asher Dibir Adonai Lemur? Hashem already spoke about this to me. Bikrovai Ekadesh. That Hashem is going to be sanctified on this day through someone very close to Him. Again, all those details need explanation. I'm not going into that today. But the bottom line is that He told them, your children are a korban. Vayidom Aharon. The Pasuk says that Aharon's reaction was one where he kept quiet. Now a person sometimes can keep quiet because they have nothing to say. Either because they really don't know what to say or they don't have the strength to say anything. There's all different types of Vayidom. What happened here when Aharon was silent? What was the nature of this silence? Was this a silence of of yeush, of despair? Was it a silence of not knowing what to say? Was it a shock? What exactly was the nature of Vayidom Aharon? So Rashi gives us a little bit of an insight to the type of silence this was. Rashi says that when Aharon kept quiet in that situation, Kibel Sachar al Shetikato. He got rewarded for his silence, which means it was acknowledged and he got a reward. What reward did he get for being silent? So Rashi says, Uma Sachar Kibel. He says, Shenityahed Imohadibur. A reward that probably. We're not able to understand. Me and you can't understand this. But he says the reward is that Hashem spoke to him. You know, I think we've all felt in times of our lives moments of inspiration. Moments where we felt like we were just flying. Just we can't imagine what this feels like. What does it mean Hashem speaks to you? So this and more was the great reward of Moshe, oh, Aaron Cohen that God actually spoke to him. And not only did he speak to him, he spoke to him a halakha. Usually the halachot go through Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu is the teacher of Am Yisrael. Every word of Torah that we learn today, Moshe Rabbeinu is getting some sort of aliyah from it. It's his Torah. It's the Torah that he taught us. But here in this commandment, Hashem awarded or rewarded Aharon that he is going to get the law and he's going to teach it to the Jewish people. It was a certain law that had to do with Kohanim and if they're allowed to drink when they do the work of the Mitha Mikdash. It was given to Aharon Kohen. That was his reward. So again, Vayidom Aharon, a very difficult day that he had. He lost both of his children on what was supposed to be the happiest day. He kept quiet. And Rashi says the reward for keeping quiet was that Hashem spoke to him and gave him a halakha. 
something usually given to Moshe Rabbeinu. Now you should know, to appreciate this reward, we must learn a Gemara that says that when it comes to Hashem speaking to someone, like prophecy, or other types of Shekhinah, it says, Lelamedcha, She'en Shekhinah Shora. Here are the places where you'll never find the Shekhinah. It applies to us too. We may not be prophets, but we also need Shekhinah. But here are the types of places the Shekhinah does not go next to. It's like allergic to it. So there's no Shekhinah in the following places. And if there's no Shekhinah, then it's a little bit of a hard life. We need Si'ata Dashmaya. We need Hashem's help. Says the Gemara, Lo mitoch atzvut, which means sadness. A sad person does not allow the Shekhinah to enter their life. So no matter how great, how amazing, how holy a person is, but if they're in a moment of sadness, if you're sad, if you're down, so no Shekhinah. Shekhinah does not come down into your life if you're sad. That's what we're learning about Simha. Lo mitoch atzlut. Interesting. Meaning a lazy person. Shekhinah doesn't go next to laziness. Hashem says, laziness, I can't go there. No sadness, no laziness. Lo mitoch sehok velo mitoch kalut rosh. Which means there's lightheadedness. Where people are being silly. They're doing silly things. They're acting silly. Lightheaded. Without any kind of kovid rosh. Of seriousness. And some other things as well. Not for today's class. Ela. So says the Gemara. So when does the Shekhinah come? What type of setting... What's the atmosphere that allows the Shekhinah to come down? You have to be Sameer. You have to be happy. The happiness of a mitzvah. Fine. So now we know the formula that if you ever heard someone had a prophecy or had Shekhinah that rested in their midst, it had to be that that person was in a state of simha. It cannot be any other kind. So now we put all the pieces together. Vayidom Aharon. Aharon heard about the great, or saw the great tragedy that killed both of his children the same day. Vayidom. He kept quiet. What was the nature of that quiet? Well, it says... That Hashem spoke to him and he gave him the Torah, the halakha of what Kohanim are supposed to do in the Beit HaMikdash. Well, you could only get that kind of Shekhinah in your midst if you're Sameach, if you're happy. That means, Vayidom Aharon, that Aharon's silence was actually. A silence where he felt simha. It wasn't like a simha of a wedding. 
It wasn't that kind of simha. But it was an internal simha where he was good with what just took place. I don't know if we can imagine how a person could be good with two of his children passing away on the same day. How you could be good with that. But somehow, Aharon was capable of having a silence, a silence that showed tremendous wisdom, more than strength. Strength is when I want to scream and yell and I have so much to say, I keep quiet. That's called strength. I hold myself back. That's also a necessary silence. But this was not that kind. This silence was someone who had nothing to complain about. He had nothing to say because he accepted it with full simha, with full happiness. So much so that Hashem came to speak to him. This type of silence requires a lot of preparation in a person's lifetime. I think we can assume that Aharon Kohen did not get that strength or that wisdom on that day. This is a lifetime's achievement. When a person is capable, nobody wants such a difficulty in their life. But to be able to go through that, through Vayidom Aharon, you need a lot of years of preparation to get there. You need to hear a lot of shiurim, and you have to put into practice so many of the fundamentals that we learn about all the time. It is only through that kind of preparation that a person is able to do what Aharon did. How does a person stay silently sameah in the most tragic situation? The Torah gives us a little hint to how a person can do that. The Pasuk says, Banim atem ladonai Elohechem. Hashem says, You are my children. Lotid godedu. Do not cut yourself. Velotasimu korha ben enechem. And do not rip out your hair. Lamet. You see, the custom of the Goyim of the time was that if they had a very big tragedy, what they would do is they would cut themselves to show their, their, their pain and they would start pulling out their hair. They would make bald spots in their hair as a sign of avelut, as a sign of mourning. Hashem warns us, do not do that. Do not cut yourself. Do not pull out your hair. Which we can understand why Hashem wouldn't want us to hurt our bodies. But yet the Torah doesn't just say, don't cut yourself. Doesn't say, don't pull out your hair. It starts off with an introduction. Banim atem You are my children. Therefore, do not cut yourself. Therefore, do not pull out your hair. 
That, now, these are not the only ways that people show hurt. People do it other ways as well. Like screaming, like yelling, like throwing things, like all types of things that people do externally to show that they're in pain. Either they want to tell everybody how much they're hurting, or maybe they feel that by letting loose, somehow it's going to make their pain better. Or maybe they're trying to replace their emotional pain with physical pain, whatever it might be. These are reactions that we see in different ways. Hashem says, you're my children, don't do that. So our rabbis ask, what does one have to do with the other? The fact that we're Hashem's children, what does that have to do with not cutting ourselves and not causing bald spots in our hair? Says the Ibn Ezra, he says, banim. Why the Torah says we're his children here? I mean, this pasuk could have been said, and you, Hashem could say, you're my children, therefore keep Shabbat. You're my children, therefore eat Matzah and Pesach. You're my children, therefore you should honor your parents. Why here are we being reminded that we're his children? That's what the Ibn Ezra is bothered by. So he says, you have to know, this information is so pivotal in your life. It may not be so easy as to come to a class like this and be able to just say, okay, got it. I earned whatever I'm being asked to do right now. It may not be that simple, but imagine that we were able to reach such a reality in our minds. Says the Ibn Ezra, Hashem says to us, you have to know. You are Hashem's children. And what, is it, what does that do for me right now? He says, What Hashem is telling you and I is that you have to imagine the greatest love that you can imagine in your life. A parent to a child. There is no greater love in this world that we see. There is no greater sacrifice that we see in this world than a parent for their child. That is clear to us. Hashem says a reminder to you that I love you more than any parent loves their child. In fact, any love that a parent shows their child is only because I gave them the ability to love. And in fact, I gave them the nature to love. Look at a mother on day one that she has a child. Day one, not two. She's already in love with her child. She's already wanting to give the child anything she can or even can't afford. Where did that love come from? She knows a brother, a sister, for 30 years she wasn't willing to do that. Her parents have been giving her day and night, nonstop, and she doesn't have the same desire. But here's the one-day-old baby, and she's already ready to give up her life for that baby. You have to know that a big part of that love is given by the Creator of the world to a mother. 
Hashem gave it to her. Of course, she can exercise it the way she wants. Hashem says to you and I, Banim Atem, imagine the greatest love there is on the planet, but I love you more than that. And therefore, if you know that, now this is a big if, we could talk about it, we could quote Pesukim, we can do Hazara next week again. Not necessarily what we say is going to make a difference in our reality. But I say today, let's just play imagination for a minute. Let's imagine that there was such a reality. Let's imagine that you and I actually lived with the realization that the creator of the world loves me more than my own mother. I can't imagine my mother doing anything to hurt me. Never. I can never even imagine it. I can't imagine that my mother would do anything, not even think about it, would do anything to hurt me. In fact, the only thing I can imagine is that she worries about my good. I, I think the same way about my father. Hashem says to each and every one of us, take the person that loves you most and just imagine that they don't even come close to how much I worry about you and how much I care for you. Banim atem, you are my children. Your mother isn't really your mother. She's the person I gave you in her. She's the in-between. She's like a shaliyah. I'm your father. You're my children. I made you. You're my investment. You're my work. Whatever your parents have given you, it's a very, 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 very small percentage of what Hashem gives us every day. Hashem says, don't forget that. And if you are successful in living such a reality, then of course, Lot Godedu says to Ibn Ezra, how could you cut yourself? How could you mutilate your body? How could you go and rip out your hair? He says, Kikol asher letovu. Whatever Hashem does for you, if He loves you, then He's only doing good for you. What kind of reaction is that? But if you say, well, I don't get that, how that could be good. You'll always have that thing in your mind. How could this be good? Could you tell me? How can that be? I, I get it. I know Hashem does good. Could you explain to me how this could be good? I bet after this class, each of us could line up and say, tell me, everything I figured out, but there's that item in my life. Could you say how that could be good? Like how? What's the, what's, what, what could even make half sense? Hashem says, And if you don't understand, you have to remember that you're like and even less. Little children cannot understand what their father is doing. Next time you see a child and their mother or father is trying to give them medicine, they have fever 103. They need desperately medicine. They need help. 
and you see a father or mother holding open their mouth while the kid is screaming and they're trying to put shove things down their throat. Now, if somebody would walk in from the outside and see what's going on, they'd say, what is going on here? What are they doing to this kid? One is holding him down, one is opening the mouth, one is shoving things down his throat, and the kid's crying. What are they doing to him? And the medicine tastes horrible. <laughs> of course, if you don't know anything, that looks like a very, very unappealing type of scenario. That scene is not very good looking. And the kid himself, he doesn't know what happened to his father and mother. These are the people that love me. These are the people that care for me. This is the mother that just yesterday she was singing to me. She was reading me a book. What happened to her? You don't think kids think like that? What happened to this person? They turned against me. Of course, the father and mother know exactly what's going on. They know exactly what they're doing. And guess what? Guess what? Hashem does this with our own parents so we have a better understanding. Hashem gives us parents that 99% of the time they're doing things to help us. But sometimes in our lives, especially when we were younger, we couldn't understand why they're doing this to me. Why are they waking me up now? What do they want? Why are they sending me to school? Why do they not let me go out? Why are they making me do homework? What do they care which friend I talk to? What does it matter? As we grow up, we have these kinds of difficulties with our parents. On one hand, like we think that they love us. I mean, they proved it to us. They did so much for us. But every once in a while, they do this thing to hurt us. And it's a, it's a struggle that we have. Why did Hashem do that? Because Hashem is giving us an example. A very beautiful example. And by the way, as we get older, we become parents. And Hashem always, all of a sudden, shows us the other side of the picture. It's like a movie. You start the movie and you don't get anything. You go on the other side and all of a sudden, wait, you're sending your kids to school. You're waking up your children. You're telling them be responsible. You're saying don't go with that friend. You're saying you're giving the medicine. And then all of a sudden, said, oh wow, I never realized. What a, I can't believe it. How ignorant can I have been? But it takes some time to turn and see it. Why does Hashem do that? Why does Hashem make us children and then make us parents? Because He wants to give us a little bit of a picture to understand what it means to be a Ben and what it means to be an Av. So when He tells us, Banim Atem, you are my children, so we have a little bit of an understanding of what it's like to be a Ben and what it's like to be a father. Hashem says to us, Banim Atem, you are my children. You are in pain enough to mutilate yourself, to cut yourself. You're going to pull out your hair. You're going to start yelling and screaming. You're going to start showing your bitterness 
as if I'm doing something bad to you? Did you forget that you're my children? Did you forget that I'm your father? Did you forget that I only do good for you? Did you forget that I care about you? Banimatem, Hashem says, you must live with that reality and you'll save yourself all of the pain that people go through in life, which results in hurting themselves. What an unbelievable pasuk to put in our pockets every single day of our lives. As we get older, we appreciate it more. When we're little children and we hear this pasuk, we can only appreciate one side of the fence. But as we turn to the other side, we realize, wow, look, look at the wisdom of the Creator. Look how He gives us the ability to understand our relationship with Him by giving us the same scenarios in our world that we can appreciate. And Hashem says, here, look at that. Well, that's me and you. Banimatem. Banimatem. No matter how many times I repeat it today in today's class, it's not enough. It needs to be taken to heart, not only to mind. It needs to be spoken about and discussed and thought about privately that we reiterate to ourselves that yes, the one who loves us the most is not our mother and not our father. As hard as that might sound, they're not even a small percentage of the Creator's love. Every day, we say a pasuk in the Torah. We call this pasuk as Kabbalat Ol Malchut Shemaim, that we accept the kingdom of Hashem upon us. We say Shema Israel Adonai Elohenu Adonai Ehad. What does it mean to accept Hashem on top of us? What exactly are we accepting? And what does it mean Hashem is one? When we accept Hashem upon us, it doesn't just mean that Hashem, I am ready to do your ratzon. You tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. When we think about Kabbalat Ol Malchut Shemaim, when everyone thinks about that, they think, okay, so I'm committing to what Hashem wants. Hashem, tell me, what do you want? What do you want me to do? I'm in. You don't want me to do that? That's it, I'm in. I am committed to your ratzon. Tell me what you should do. I should do on Shabbat. Tell me what I should eat. Tell me how I should raise my children. Tell me how I should spend my time. Tell me where not to go, where not to look. Tell me, I'm ready. Kabbalat. All Malchut Shamaim, Hashem, you're on top of me. You tell me what to do. I am accepting your Ratzon, Ratzon Hashem. I think that's the picture that we think about when we think about putting Hashem on top of us. That Hashem, you tell us what to do and we're in. 
But really, it's deeper than that. When we accept Hashem on top of us, it's not just accepting what He wants from us to do. But accepting Hashem upon us means that we accept what He does. And we say, whatever it is that you do for me, I accept it with full simha. I accept it with full ratzon. I don't have complaints. I may pray because I feel things could be different in the future. That's about the future. But about what happened to me now, what has happened to me till now, that I accept besimha. I accept it with full happiness. Even I don't know why I should be happy because I don't understand it. But I do understand that if you sent it, that's what I needed then. There was a letter the great stipler, Allah Shalom, sent to a great rabbi who was not feeling well. The rabbi was sick for a long time. And he sent him in the letter that I wish you and I pray that you should have Rifuah Shalema. And then he writes, but you should know that everything I pray for is only for the future. But for the past, for whatever it is that we suffer in the past, he says that we have to thank Hashem. And even though we don't know why we're thanking Hashem, but nonetheless we have to thank Him. We have to be mekabel, we have to accept yisurin, suffering, be'ahava. We have to accept it with Love. In fact, I want to tell you how great of a mission this is. One of the great rabbis in our history, his name was Rabbi Akiva Eger. Allah shalom. Rabbi Akiva Eger, if you would walk in right now to any yeshiva in the world, they would probably be studying something from his Torah. Rabbi Akiva Eger is an icon in the world of Torah. He lived a few hundred years ago. I remember seeing that he had written in his goal in life, what he wanted written on his tombstone. What did, he, what did this man who learned the entire Torah with such depth, who taught Torah, who wrote books of Torah, an accomplished man, how many Jews do you remember from 300 years ago? Very little. But he's one of them. What did he want written on his tombstone? What did he want written? He wanted written the following. I hope I'm saying it right. I'm not quoting it. Kibel Yisurin Be'ahava. He wanted, I don't know by the way if he had Yisurin when he said this. But he wanted to be a person. This, this class is not for people who are suffering only. It's for all people. 
Rabbi Akiva Eger's life mission was that he would be able to have such a clarity in that he is Hashem's son, that no matter what he would go through in his life, no matter how much suffering he would go through, he would accept it be'ahava. And he saw that as his greatest achievement. Greater than his Torah and his teaching and his shiurim and his books. That when he had a challenge in his life, when he had yisurin in his life, he would accept it be'ahava. He would accept it with love. He would say, Vayidom aharon. But not silence because he has nothing to say. Silence of acceptance with the wisdom of being a ben to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's one of life's great achievements. And that's what we mean every time when we say the word Ehad in Shema. The word Ehad means, doesn't really mean one God instead of two gods. That's also true. That's, but that's an that's a elementary understanding. There's a much deeper understanding. The word Ehad means that there's no two ways of Hashem. There's no two kinds of ways He deals with people. Me and you, one day, I'll be in a bad mood. One day I'm in a good mood. Who's showing up today? You never know. That's how we are. Depends on who we spoke to, what happened to us, at any moment we see each other, we're not sure who's here right now. You see a guy in the morning, I'm not in the mood, don't talk to me. You see a guy at night, I'm tired. I, you have to, before you talk to somebody, you have to know, assess what, where, where they are. You never know. So that's me and you. Sometimes we're rough, sometimes we're sweet. Sometimes we're kind, sometimes we're selfish. Sometimes we're patient, sometimes we're, we're in a mad rush. We, we, we have, we're, we're, we're fickle, we're here and there. Hashem is Ehad. Ehad means there's no two ways about Him. He doesn't one day act kind and the next day He's rough. It's not like that. Hashem Ehad. Ehad means He is one and the same. Always. The same one who gave you your life. Remember Him? Well, I hope you do because nobody else gave it to you. Because no doctor gave it to you. Doctors can't even try to help. They try to help you if they can, if something small goes wrong. That's all they can do. Who gave you your life? Oh, wow, that's a big, that was a big gift, no? <coughs> gave me my life. It's a big one. And he even gave me health. Awesome. And he also gave me parents that took care of me. He put me in a home that was normal or half normal. Even half normal homes are good. Yes, go to an orphanage and see what it's like. I just went to visit an orphanage a few months ago. A few hundred children. Two years old, three years old, four years old, no parents. They're being taken care of by strangers. Strangers who are amazing. Taking care of them like their own children. But it's not their mother. No father, no mother. So Hashem gave you a home? That's a, it's a gift. He doesn't owe you a home. He doesn't owe you health. He doesn't owe me anything. 
That's a big gift. Life's a gift. Parents are a gift. Health is a gift. And you also went to school. Wow, that's, that's unbelievable. You went to a decent school? That's even more unbelievable. You had rabbis in your life? Wow, what does Zechut get? You had teachers that cared about you? Amazing. You even got married? Wow. You know what it's like to get married? To find the one person from millions of people? And he's half normal? That's that's huge. You're laughing. But it's true. The Gemara says, better to live with some difficulties than to be alone. You had the zechut to find a husband? And you have a child too? Oh, you can't make a child, you know that. The child that came out of nowhere? You see an empty bed the next day, there's someone in it? Where did he come from? You couldn't make that? You also got a child. And you have the strength to raise them and God gave you Parnasa also to feed them? Where are all these things coming from? All the food that you've eaten. All the pleasures that you have. Everything that we enjoy every day. We know how to make apples. We know how to make honey. We know how to make oregano. What what do we know how to make? All the pleasures and more. I'm giving you basics. Showering us. Ehad means there is no other behavior than that. It's always that. The same one who made you, the same one who gave you, is also the one that's doing this to you. Ehad. It's not the same person. It's the same source. It's the same behavior. It's coming with the same heart. It's coming with the same love. It's coming with the same care. The one who cuddled you in your mother's womb is the same one that might be sending you a little bit of pain. The same one. The same purpose, the same reason. Yes, we may not always understand. We're not going to understand. And by the way, it's not so shocking that we can't understand Hashem. If a little kid can't understand his mother, how are we going to understand God? Ehad means that even if there are things you don't understand, but just know there aren't two directions of Hashem. He has one direction, one and the same. The same mother feeding her child is the one that's giving him the medicine. It's the same mother with the same goal. There's no different goals. In fact, giving him the medicine shows how much she cares for him. Because it hurts her so much that he's screaming and yelling and he's in pain. But she's willing to get hurt because she wants her child to feel better. Ehad. Ehad doesn't mean one, not two. 
Ehad means it's the same source. We may look at it like, oh, Hashem is being tough. Why is Hashem doing this to me today? Hashem is being very difficult to me today. Oh, it's very, very tough, very tough on me today. I'm being tough on you. The same one that gave you last week, the one who married you last week. Remember that? Same one. He's the same one. Kabbalat Om Malchut Shamaim doesn't mean only Hashem. Whatever mitzvah you give me, I'll do. It means that whatever it is that you want for me, I accept it with full ahava. I pray for the future, for the things that make sense to me. So I pray for health, even though, God forbid, right now, I don't have the health. For the past, that's what the disciple wrote, for the past, we accept it with full love. For the future, we have to pray according to what we see might be a better situation for us. It's two different avenues. Prayer is about the future. The past is thank you. I'm not married yet. Thank you. But I want to pray that I should get married. I don't have a child yet. Thank you for that. I know there's a good reason. I accept the ahava. But what do I got to do to have a child? Because you want us to have children. So maybe there's something that I'm not doing. Maybe I need to pray better. Maybe I need to change something about me. That's for the future. That's about what's going to be. But for what was, I have no complaints. Be'ahava. I accept it with full acceptance. Va'yidom aharon. I accept it with such simha that you can have a nevuah right now. Hashem is with you. I know I'm talking things that may seem very difficult, and they are. And I hope I don't come off talking like I'm perfect at this. But at the end of the day, that's the expectation of the Creator. And that means we can do it. That means it's within our capability. And just imagine what life would be if we actually were able to achieve such a level of life that no matter what is going on in our lives, we accept it be'ahava, ehad. According to some, that's why we close our eyes when we say the word Shema Yisrael, Hashem ehad, to remind ourselves that it's all good. And if it's something that we don't understand, it's only because we can't see. It's only because we're blind. Just like a blind person can't understand the beauty of the sky, can't understand it. No matter how many times you try to explain to him, can't understand. So too, sometimes we can't see. But that doesn't change the reality. One of the greatest achievements in life as you saw in the words of Rebekah Vega, is to accept Ratzon Hashem, which means what He wants done in this world, to accept it be'ahava. 
to accept it with full love. That's what we say every time we answer the Kaddish. We say, That Hashem's name is always blessed. He's the source. Mevarach means He's the source of all my blessings. Any blessing that I have, it's He's the source. You give me a blessing, I'll show you. He's the source. His name is the source of my berachot. Le'alam ul'alme almaya. What does that mean? Le'alam ul'alme almaya. The word le'alam in Hebrew, le'alam means something that's hidden. So we say le'alam, which means the source of my berachot is always from him. Le'alam, and even when it's hidden, behastara, when it's hidden from me, I don't see it. I don't see the beracha in that. Why did I have to fall? Why did I have to slip for? Why did I have to lose that order? Why did I have to have that issue? That's called le'alam. I don't see. Le'alam. And not only le'alam. Sometimes in life it's hidden. And sometimes it's hastara betoch hastara. Sometimes it's just more hidden than hidden. I say, Hashem, you're the source of the beracha. Thank you for the blessings. What blessings? That's the blessings. Could you explain the blessings? Not really. There's a book called Magid Misharim. This book was written it's a book of the, the Bet Yosef. The Bet Yosef is the author of Shulchan Aruch. He lived over 500 years ago in Tzfat. And it says that he used to have a Malach come to teach him at night. And in the book it tells him, it's right, some of the things the Malach told him. So in one of the things over there, he writes that the Malach told him that his wife is going to have a child. And he told him the zechut that your wife's going to have a child. Why is she going to have a child? What was the zechut? It's because she had some yisurin. She had some difficulty. I don't know if it was having a child or something else. And she accepted the yisurin be'ahava. She accepted her suffering with love. And that was the zechut to have a child. Yisurin is not only the way we react to them, it's not only showing where we are, but it could be the very reason why they were sent to us. To see, to assess ourselves. How connected are we to the creator of the world? How much do we really trust the creator of the world? <coughs> there are two types of people. I'll give you a mashal. There was a captain on a big ship. He left the East Coast for a trip that would take a month to go all the way to the other side of the world. He's in the seas for a month and finally he's almost at his destination. And all of a sudden he gets a phone call 
and he's asked to go back all the way back from the place that he started the captain got so upset he got so mad he says a month I'm working to get here finally I'm here they tell me turn around and go back that's it he lost it nobody on the boat would come close to this man he was so angry there was at the same time another captain on the, on the same type of ship. They left the same time. He also got the same phone call. And when he got the phone call, he turned around, Bisimha, and went right back. The people, they see, no problem, no issue. What's the difference between these two captains? It's very simple. The first captain was going somewhere because he wanted to go there. He wanted to be there. So when they told him to turn around, so now things were happening against what he wanted. But the second captain, he wasn't going where he wanted to go. He was working for the owner of the ship. It didn't matter to him if the ship ended up there or went back. It's the same thing. He was going wherever the owner wanted him to go. So if he said turn around, he turned around. There are two types of people in life. One type of person is living a life and they, they want to go where they want to go. They want to do what they want to do. They want to reach what they want to reach. They have their goals of what they feel is going to be their achievement. That's one kind of captain. Then there are people who follow what the Mishnah and Avot says. The Mishnah and Avot says, retsono kirsoncha. Says the Mishnah and Avot, maybe this might be a little hard for us to hear it, but this is Avot, simple words. Says Avot. Put down your ratzon. Your ratzon means what's your life goals? What do you want to do? What do you want to become? Put on the side. Whatever he wants for you, you should want for yourself. It's not your ship. This is not your ship. It's his ship. You just follow where he wants to take you. If you live your life that the ship that you're on is yours and you're navigating to where you want to go, you're going to have a very hard time because you're going to realize that you were going one way but you ended up somewhere else. You wanted A, you got B. You were hoping for C but you got F. But if you are on a boat, on a ship, if your life is really his ship. And I'm just here to navigate it the way he wants. So wherever he puts me in life, no matter what it is, small or big, I realize, hey, that's where he wants me. He wants me here right now. He wants this neighbor to be my neighbor. What can I tell you? That's what he wants. 
He wants me to take care of this difficult child. There's no explanation. He gave me this child. He's not easy. He wants me to take care of him. I was hoping for a different kind of child. But that's the one that he gave me. So he wants me to take him. I thought I would be married by now. That's what, that was my plan. I mean, I had it all worked out. But it didn't work out that way. The Zesta, don't talk to me. I'm having a hard time. But if not, if I don't live my ship, so I'm just following what his guidance is telling me to do. Again, any future endeavors, of course I have to make my hishtad lut. I have to work hard. I have to pray. I have to do things that seem to be the most logical way to get what Hashem wants from us. I don't just sit there and say, okay, whatever you want. I'm just, I'm here. No, of course I do my best. But ultimately, when Hashem decides, that's the best. And you just keep going forward, but you never complain about what happened. We have a choice in life. You can, you can lead your boat, or you could lead his boat. If you lead your boat, you can forget simha. I would recommend you stop coming to these classes. Because it's not going to help you. This is such a big part of simha. That if you cannot get this straight, you're probably never going to achieve simha. So maybe go to different classes. Maybe go learn kosher kitchen or something else. Because it, simha is not for you. It's not going to happen. If you're not prepared to ride his boat, you're going to have a very hard time achieving simha. So this is not like some extra credit class. This is one of the key ingredients in all of our classes. Kabel yisurim be'ahava is a huge part of everything that we're learning. While it's not easy, and to some it may even seem impossible, but remember, it's our expectations from the, from the creator of the world. That means we could do it. We just have to want to do it. We have to be willing to do it. Not enough what we're learning today. It's not enough to say, I accept. It's not enough. I accept is not enough. Although I accept is good. Is it's my ratson. If that's what you want, then it's what I want. Not I accept it. I'm upset. I'm angry. I accept it. No, no. That's not what we're saying. If that's your ratson, if that's what you wanted for me a minute ago, then that's what I want. And now I got to figure out how to deal with the situation that I'm in. Again, I got to get out of it maybe. I have to do things, whatever it might be. Whatever hishtadlut is called at that moment. But wherever you put me, that's where I want to be as well. I couldn't have chosen because I don't see like you. But now that you saw, that's where I want also. That is an achievement in life. His ratzon should be your ratzon too. 
It should not be a mahlokit between you and the Creator. You know, there's a, uh, there's a tefillah, there's a prayer that was written by the Hafez Hayim. A, a prayer, by the way, on something he's famous for, Lashonara. So he writes in this tefillah, he says, Ribbono shel olam. He says, Master of the Universe. He says, Yehirat Soman Lefanecha is asking Hashem, Shetezakeni hayom ubechol yom. Hashem, you should give me the zechut today and every day. Lishmor pi ulshoni. That I should watch my mouth. Not to speak the wrong words. Lashon hara. All different words that one is not supposed to speak about others. Listen to this word now. He says, Vekol sheken. And all the more so, he says, Please help me to be careful Never to complain. Now listen to these words. So he starts the tefillah. This is a daily tefillah. Hashem, please help me that I shouldn't say bad words out of my mouth. I shouldn't hurt people. I shouldn't talk about people. Okay, all the things that you've learned in Lashon Hara. And then he ends off, and all the more so, please help me never complain. You should never complain. Don't say, ah, oh, don't do that. Exactly, don't do that. <laughs> no, ay ay ay's and don't complain. Nothing, nothing like that. Don't do that. No complaining. No complaining. Now listen to these words. He ends off the tefillah. Shehu avon hamur yoter minako. He says, complaining? He says, that is the worst type of sin you could do. More than all the things I mentioned. So imagine you go and you speak about somebody's life. Imagine you go around spurting rumors. You know, you know that lady? You know that guy? You don't know. The worst of the worst. You know what they do? If you would hear that, you'd say, wow, what a, what a terrible person. Who talks like that? What kind of bad man is that? If you see someone saying, oh, that's worse than that. Amazing. If you complain in your life about where you are and why you got here, then that is considered a greater level of damage than talking about other people. Now, why is that? So perhaps I'd like to answer that question. Shalom Melech says in Mishle, Yesh Boteh, there is a person who speaks but his words are like the piercings of a sword. What does he mean by that? Whom is he striking with his sword? Some explain, it's not that he's hitting others with his sword. We know how words can be a sword. Yesh boteh. There's a person who expresses himself and he's taking his sword and he's sticking it right into himself. Which means that the words of complaints are so damaging to the person. They actually hurt us. It's like taking a sword and just putting it in 
That can't be good. Says Shalomo Melech Yesh Boteh. There's a guy who starts to complain and he thinks he's doing something good. Maybe he thinks he's letting it all out. Maybe he thinks whatever they, they think. Says Shalomo Melech Yesh Boteh. There's a guy who says his words, but he's sticking daggers in himself. But the words of the wise person who doesn't complain. Marpe. Marpe means it's healing. It makes him better. Could you imagine? You're going through a difficult situation. We're all in difficult situations. Nobody here has everything good. Nobody. Don't think you're the only person. Everybody here is dealing with things. You have to know that. Small, big. It's a reality of life. So a person starts to complain. The complaints are making yourself worse. The complaints on your situation is hurting you more than the situation. But if your mouth would be the wise man's mouth, if you know how to speak and say, Hashem, that's what you want, I accept. I accept be'ahava. And let me figure this out. Lo'alenu, my mother, my this one, she's not well, that, I accept. Now, what do I got to do? I go to the hospital, I got to go to the doctor, I got to pray, I got to do, okay. But the situation that I'm in, I accept. I accept it. You know how many times you live in denial in life? And we think that's helping us because we're trying to make believe it's not true. That doesn't help you. Complaining doesn't help you. It just makes you worse. Leshon hachamim marpeh. The hacham says, I accept it. This is, what I'm, this is where I'm supposed to be. You know what that does for him? Marpeh. Makes him better. It makes you feel better when you react that way. And perhaps that's why it's worse than Lashon Hara. Because by Lashon Hara, you're hurting the other person. Here, you're hurting yourself directly. By Lashon Hara, you hurt yourself because you hurt somebody else. Here, you're directly poisoning yourself. When you complain, you're hurting yourself directly. So yes, the reactions make a big difference. Let me give you an example of that that we find in the Torah, very famous Midrash. The Midrash says that Yaakov Avinu, Allah Shalom, when he was asked by Parah how old he was when he met him in Egypt, Parah Yaakov answered that his days, he called them Me'at Veraim. They were small in number, and they were difficult. They were bad. I mean, he had a pretty hard life, Yaakov. He had to deal with Esav for many years. He had to deal with Laban for many years. Neither, none of these characters are very good people to be around. And he lived with them. He lived with Esav. He lived with Laban. He had to deal with Dina. He had to deal with Yosef and the brothers. He lost his son, Yosef. He didn't have a break. From the time he was born, Isa was already after him. 
his whole life. He had a hard life. So he told Paro, I had a hard life. The Midrash says, Hashem tells me he had a hard life. He says 33 words over there in that pasuk. There are 33 words in that pasuk. For every word, he lost one year of his life. He lost 33 years of his life from such comments. Now, I want to explain this a little bit. You know, luckily for us, they don't judge us on such a, such a level. Okay? Because if they did, then we could say, Baruch Dein met collectively. Because there'd be no person alive right now. The world would go back to pre Bereshit. So we, they have a lot of Rahmanut on us. Because if they would judge us according to the Emet, we couldn't survive. But know that the damage that words like this do is real. You see, the words of Yaakov caused a year of life damage. One word of complaint, imagine. Imagine the damage. One word of complaint is a year of life. 33 words, 33 years. Again, with us, they have Rahmanut. But that doesn't mean the damage isn't happening. That doesn't mean we're taking, we're not taking the sword and sticking it into ourselves. It doesn't mean we're not causing ourselves so much pain. Because we are. So they're sparing us the life. But the damage is happening. That's what Shlomo Amel is saying. Yesh Boteh is a person expressing himself. He's saying, what's the big deal? I'm just complaining. I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not talking la shonara. You're not hurting anybody. You're killing yourself. It's suicide. There was once a rabbi at the time of the Hafez Hayim who sent him a letter. And he asked the Hafez Hayim for a recommendation. He wanted a hire for his yeshiva, Mashgiah. Mashgiah is a rabbi who gives direction to the boys, helps them. A prominent position in the yeshiva. And the Hafez Hayim sent them back with a recommendation of a certain rabbi. He told him, I know this rabbi. I recommend him. I think he could be great. Sometime after, it was Holom Wyatt. The Hafez Hayim writes him a letter. The Hauf Express Mail. He opened it, Holom Wyatt. Hafez Hayim says, I take back my recommendation. I thought he was for you, but he's not for you. So he was shocked. Someone that Hafez Hayim held him in such high esteem. What, he didn't hear Nila Shara about him. He didn't hear the guy did anything bad or what happened. So he went to the Hafez Hayim to ask him. To tell him, what, what can I ask? What happened? Like, how does a person go from being highly recommended by you to being not recommended? What did he do? He said that this man came to me 
who had some issues in his life. He said that when he was talking to me, he was complaining. He said, a person who's complaining cannot be a mashkiah to help other people. So I take back my recommendation. A person who complains can't help others. A person who complains really can't be a good father and mother. Of course, we try our best. But really, if we complain, we are taking away our ability to help other people. Again, we've all done it. Doesn't mean we should just give up. But my goal is to tell you that it's a real problem. It's not a small thing. Complaining ruins homes. It ruins the person. It ruins marriages. It ruins children. The Hafez Haim says, this man is a great Talmud Hacham, knows a lot of Torah. He's a big tzaddik. The whole thing, I recommend him. But if he complains, he can't be the guy. Every father and mother needs to hear that. We want so much from our children. We want to give them so much. And we do give them so much. But just that area of complaining could disqualify us from being great parents. No matter how much we're giving. No matter how much we have. What's this whole Yisurin all about? What's this whole suffering all about? Well, we're not going to understand everything Hashem understands, that's for sure. But sometimes we have to just see beyond a little bit of what we know. You know, when life has a purpose, we're here in this world for a very high purpose. There's so much to achieve. There's so much to accomplish. Life is very short, as you know. Before you know it, you're in your teens, and then you're 30 and 40 and 50 and 80 and on. That's how it works. It's fast. Life isn't that long in the bigger picture. I mean, a third of it goes to sleep. So that's, you know, so if you live 90 years, 33 of them, you are sleeping. The other 33, you are working. The other, between doctors and food and eating and cooking, and so you just lose another 25. I mean, there's not much time to accomplish much. So life is very short. The ability to make something of our lives is not that much. And we have so much at stake. This world, the next eternity, we have a goal here. Hashem in this world gave us different tools to be able to reach our goals. Number one, the world that we live in. He gave us such a beautiful world. And He gave us constantly kindness. So we should be aware of Him. We should be aware of our Creator to thank Him. Not because He needs to thank you. Because we need to accomplish through thanking Him. So He showers us with a gorgeous world. With so many pleasures. He creates us. 
another kindness, another hasad, another gift, another thing. Oh, now you get married, now you have a baby, now you do this, now you made some money, now you have this, you have a party, you have this, another birthday fest. So many, so many beautiful things happen in our lives. Even if it's not exactly what we want, so much that we have. All that kindness is with the hope that one day we say, what? Why do I deserve this? And then you realize after one second that you deserve nothing. So then you realize, wait, I have so much to do. I have so much to thank. Hashem, what can I do for you? Maybe I should help your children the same way you helped me. Help your children. Maybe I could do this for that. Maybe I could, maybe I could keep Shabbat better. Maybe I could... Hashem gives us so much chesed that it should wake us up. Also, He gave us the Torah. He gave us Torah. He gave us His thoughts to give us the ability to do what's good for ourselves, to do what's right in His eyes. He also gave us a sechel. He gave us a brain. Shlomo Melech says, Mayim amukim That every person has wisdom to live life properly just from the wellsprings of wisdom that Hashem gave him. You just have to know how to access it. Life is so much more than much of what we see in the street. Sometimes you go all into a funeral and you see a little more of a reality. In funerals, they don't talk about cars. They don't talk about they don't talk about houses. They don't talk about vacations. They don't talk about private jets. They don't talk about anything money. They talk about usually, usually they talk about things that are real, meaningful accomplishments. Hashem gave us different tools to be able to accomplish in this world. He does so much for us. He gave us a Torah. He gave us the wisdom of the mind. It just feels the right way. When you see the right thing, you just feel it. Your mind says, yeah, that makes sense. That's not it. You could be involved in all the nonsense and no, that's it's not it. I mean, I'm in it, but it's not it. That's it. Maybe it's hard for me. Maybe I can't do it. Maybe I struggle. That's not it. That's the tool that Hashem gave us to make our life really special and really big and really accomplished. But there are mechitzot. You know mechitzot? Mechitzot are walls. Imagine all the greatness of your life is right behind that wall. So when will you get there? Never. Because the wall will block you like it's been blocking you and will stay to block you. You could be so close from your greatness, but the wall that's in front of you, so long as the wall is there, you're not going anywhere. You could be right there your whole life. Your whole life, you're right there. But you never get there. Because the wall doesn't just go down. The wall is planted there. So while we have all these tools that Hashem gave us, He gave us kindness, He gave us 
Look at the Pasuk says in Navi, by the way. It says, Look at, open up your eyes. Look who made this world. Come on, wake up. There's so much to see. There's so much to do. But the wall doesn't let you. Can't go. Can't go forward. And if you ask me, what kind of walls are blocking me? from reaching. He he gave me all these tools. So what wall could block me? If he gave me this world, if he gave me a mind, if he gave me Torah, what, what, what's the wall? So there are two major walls in our lives. Two major ones. That really block us from getting anywhere in life. One of them, the Mesilat Yesharim says, is Ha-Hevrah. I know what Hebra means. Hebra means social status. Means that your life is revolved around your friends or people you want to be your friends or society that are around you. You're just stuck in Hebra. That's all you care about. You just want to be valued by the people around you. You just want to be recognized. You just want to be respected. You just want to be in. There are people in and people out. You want to be from the people in. So therefore, you will do whatever it takes. The Hevra takes over your life. You no longer think for yourself. You never shop for yourself. It's all about the Hevra. Your status becomes your life mission. You will only say hello to people that will raise your status. Another person? Nah. Once in a while, to look nice, throw them a bone, say, hey, Give him a Shabbat Shalom, you know, just for uh, kindness sake. I mean, that's not who I am. I don't talk to people like this, but Shabbat Shalom. Me? I'm exclusive. I only appear. I don't talk to regular people. You're regular. I'm not. Status. Social status is one of the greatest walls, says the Mesleri Shalim, that blocks a person from their greatness. Because your life revolves around the people around you. You have to dress like them, you have to talk like them, you have to be like them, you have to follow them, you have to go to places with them. Not necessarily you want to go, but you have no choice, it's your status. I don't really want to go to this party, but I have no choice. My status is at risk. I have to go. And now my whole life, so besides the involvement, besides the tremendous waste of time, but also, it's completely distracting. You can't think straight. Because all that matters is the people around you. Now, people are important, by the way. 
Friendships are important. But not status. That's not important. Says the Messiah, you think this happened in the last 20 years? How? Since Adam Arishon was created, it's been one of the challenges of mankind. Are you going to allow your social environment to distract you from your mission in life? You know what it's like? Imagine you have three people going out for dinner. And you see two guys are talking to each other the whole time. Three hours, two guys are talking to each other. And the third guy, not one time, they turned to him and said, what do you think? Hi, how are you? Not one time. Three hours, the guy sits there, and not one person talks to him. How would you look at that scene? What would you say? You said these guys are really rough. They're talking to each other the whole time. Not one time they talk to him. That's what people who spend their whole life with each other, and they forget the creator of the world. Their whole life, they're just talking to each other. So what do you want? What do you do? What I did? What that? What can I do for you? I love you. I can't take. Oh, by the way, all sketch. All sketch. The whole thing is fake. Nobody loves you. They're all lying to you. You're lying to them. You know it. Tell the guy, I love you so much. I miss you. It's not true. You don't love them. You don't miss them. You know it. You know it. They know it. It's a whole world of nonsense. It's stupid. It's a reality. It's not true. Again, it's all about status. It doesn't matter. I don't care about you. I care about me. So if saying hello to you and say I love you makes me higher, so I say it. And then you say it back to me and we rub each other's backs and everything is good. That's how it works. It's a, it's a silly system. I spoke about it on Shabbat. Somebody told me, how do you know all about me? <laughs> Because you have to be the genius to know. Living in a world of Sheket. How do I know about him? People spend their whole life saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, I miss you, you're the best, you're the greatest. And the creator of the world is sitting with you. He's giving you. He's, here's more money. Here's more health. Here's more food. Here's more... You don't talk to them. They tell you, I say, Ah, I can't. can't. This is very hard for me. You just sat for three hours talking to someone who doesn't even care for you. And just to say thank you to Bukataman, thank you. No. It's very hard for me. It, it's, it's, it, when I put it that way, it sounds very ugly, right? But it's the truth. So one of the big boundaries, the mehitzot, that don't let you become the one that you should become, is the social, the hevra. It's not my words. Again, Mislai Sharim, he says, ha hevra ha shekuim azman. The hevra, that's, by the way, not bad people. Not like they don't do bad things, necessarily. Just doing nothing. Just doing nothing all day long. Even the Kohen Gadol, it says seven days before Kippur, to prepare him for the Avodah of Yom Kippur, it says they would 
take him away from his home. So that she says, why? He says, because he should be away from people. Because when you're around people, it just it dulls you down. You, you lose your, your, your value of the things that are important. You lose your achamayim. Nobody says that you should live by yourself. That's not what we're saying. But that shouldn't be your life mission of what people think about you. That's not important. And the second, oh, by the way, it says in Perkei Avot, just to, for a reminder, it says, Sihat yeladim motzi'in et ha'adam min ha'olam. Which means the conversations of children, they take a person out of the world. In other words, you check out. Who has conversation of children? The ones that we just mentioned. These are all children. Children conversations. Children who need to feel like they're somebody. Children who play all these games. You see a child, five, six, seven, eight, you already know the games. He's playing the game, he's cooler, he's sharper, he's boss, he's like this, I want to be the teacher, I want to be the boss, I want to be the one. It's all a game that we play. That's called Sihat Iladim. Sihat Iladim doesn't end when you hit Bar Mitzvah. Sihat Iladim can go for, for, for a lifetime. What does Sihat Iladim do? says Avot, Sihat Iladim, it takes a person out of this world. That is one of the walls that blocks a person from their greatness. There's a lot more on the subject. I just finished half of what I had to say today. And, uh, and the truth, I would continue going, but I have to go. So, so Be'ezad Hashem will continue part two next week on the second Mahita and what that has to do with Yisurin. How did I jump from this to Yisurin? That's probably what you're wondering. You'll see next week. Have a wonderful week. Baruch Amen. Amen.